Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show. Positively different radio in the morning and you're with Lyle and Lawson, the double L team, filling in for Mon while she is away. And this is the last time that Lawson will be filling in for Mon, but Lawson is not going anywhere because uh, I'm actually going to be away for a couple of days. Heading up to the Creation Super Conference. Anyway, coming up in today's show, we have lots of exciting things to talk about. And the reason that we know that we have lots of exciting things to talk about is because of what we remind you every morning. And that is, if you are listening to this particular broadcast, it is because you are listening to the delayed broadcast. And if you would like to listen to the live show, then there are a number of ways you can do that. You can give us a call on 1-800-324-843 and lobby Faith FM to uh, get the live show happening in your area or you can (coughs) easier still best option ever listen to us on the tune in radio app it's the best way to listen to the radio it's the best way to listen to faith fm you never drive out of signal you never have a scratchy signal it always comes through clear and it is entirely free Um, apart from that you could go to faithfm.com.au just use the browser that you have on your phone or your device or whatever it is and go to faithfm.com.au press play and it will just come straight through to you as simple as that and of course with your mobile device don't forget that you can run it through your car stereo use a tape insert an aux cord a bluetooth uh, whatever different form you have to connect it to your uh, car stereo and it will work fine or your truck or your tractor or your uh, whatever machine it is your bulldozer that you might be driving or just simply run it through your uh, headset underneath your earmuffs if you are working in a workshop. These are all the best ways to listen to Faith FM. But coming up on today's show, we are going to talk about obesity. Which state in Australia has the highest levels of child obesity? Why? And what does this mean for our future? We're also going to be talking about adultery. India has just struck down a law that makes adultery illegal. What is that all about? What are the implications? How will that affect society? Is this something that we should be legislating on or not? All these issues will be discussed and more. Lawson, of course, is going to bring us um, a section on health and particularly those who are either celiac or or gluten intolerant, then you need to stay tuned because he's going to be talking about solutions for people who are gluten intolerant that do not involve stopping eating gluten. So a lot of people are going to be super happy about that one. We have Paul Bennett's coming in to talk about the children of the East. If you've never heard of them, you need to find out who they are. Stay tuned. This is Faith FM. I've been a poor man and I've been a king. I've had my life and the world on a string I've traveled many roads But I'm so far from done I have been hopeless and I've had my faith Some things I've lost and some things I have saved All of these moments showed me the way that I've gone to live for
You're listening to Jake Reese, Day to Feel Alive here on Faith FM. And as we launch into the breakfast show this morning, we have a quiz. What is our first clue for the quiz, Leah Lawson? All right, this is a Who Am I quiz. Mm-hmm. So this is a person in the Bible. And there the are lots first, of those. Yeah, there are lots of them. I don't know how many persons there are in the Bible. Maybe you do. If you know how many people are named in the Bible, give us a call. That'd be interesting to find out. 1-800-324-843 is our number. But get ready to call that number anyway, because you might have the answer to the quiz. All right. So this this is a bit of a, a feminist move on, uh, on God's part, but I love it. Here we go. First clue is, God told my husband to listen to whatever I said to him. Oh, that's, oh. Going to get the, <laughs> that's going to get all of the feminists stirred up right there. In a good way, though, because it's the husband has to listen to whatever the, the, oh, the wife yeah, oh, says. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 the other way around. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was, I was, I was. You weren't um, even listening, mate. I, I was, <laughs> I was multitasking. <clears throat> I was multitasking. I was trying to figure, figure out how many people are mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, the answer is 3,237 different people are mentioned in the Bible. So this is one of uh, 3,237 different people. Epic. So that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> it really narrows it down. Yep. yep. Um, but we also know that this, okay. is, this is a woman. Her husband was told to listen to her. To whatever she says. Whoa, if you know the answer, give us a call. There's double prizes available still. 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491064669. But anyways, getting into positively hey, hey, different hey, news. Hey, before we do some trivia, okay. some trivia, did you know that while there are 3,237 different people in the Bible, mm-hmm. there are only 1,794 different names in the Bible? Ah. Okay. A lot of people had the same name. <laughs> yeah, true. Lots There's of a few Judases in, in well, the Well, you know, you go foot through, you know? through, uh, through your phone and look at how many, say, Davids come up in your phone, for instance. You know, yeah. I've got, I got like a whole long string of them. Mm. You know, and there's a few other you know, common names out there yeah. that just, just Michael, like, yep. you know, um, Mitchell. I don't know if there's any Mitchell. Jack. I don't, I've only got one. John. Two Jacks. I've got a lot of Johns. Yeah. There are a lot of Johns. Peters. Yeah, I've got a few. Anyways. Anyway. Continuing on with some positive. I did butt in. I, I know I have news. to get out of the habit of butting in. <sighs> but it's okay. Puts it's okay because I really enjoy it. You know, I value what you say. Thank, so. you, <laughs> thank you, Lawson, for letting me And I'm sure the listeners do as well. So, But we value what you say. Let's, so, so let's hear you say something. <laughs> Anyways, so our first story of the day. Um, this, is, this is so good. This is so good. In an exciting new breakthrough for, for bread lovers and, and gluten consumers in general, this university has developed a medication that can alleviate or completely eliminate the symptoms of celiac disease. And it should really? be available as early as 2021. Wow. This is this is amazing. This is like the best thing ever because I, I know a fair few people who are, who are affected with celiac disease um, oh, and just, you know, gluten intolerance in general, close friends of mine, even my, you know, even some of my family. Um, and basically what celiac disease is, um, is, you know, a fairly common disease affecting, you know, one to two percent of, of all people. Um you know, and that's just celiac disease, which is the super hyper concentrated yeah, version yeah. of gluten intolerance. That's right. Um, it is an, an express. It is it is expressed as hypersensitivity to gluten, a protein found in cereals such as wheat, barley, or rye. Okay, so will this then solve the whole gluten free issue altogether? 
like do away with gluten free. There's no such thing as being gluten free anymore because like you just you don't need to be gluten free. Just, just to, to do this treatment and you're up and running and problem solved. Well, the the amazing thing uh, this is a medication, and the amazing thing about it is that every medication that's been developed so far to combat celiac disease has a big effect on the immune system. Yeah, because so you don't want to go there. You're just better off not to eat gluten. Yeah, <laughs> but who check, wants to live without the immune system? Check this out. Um, Although initial clinical studies are underway, um, okay, you know it'll come in a few years. Sorry, I uh, <laughs> okay, you lost in your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lost. <laughs> there is there is such a thing as taking notes rather than just trying to um, read off a screen. It makes it more efficient. But anyway, the um, this is an interesting this is an interesting thought that you bring up right here because gluten free has become a big thing. I, I can't imagine being gluten free. I love my gluten. <laughs> How would I live without my three wheat bix every morning? You know, dude, and gluten steaks and <laughs> the oh, good old savvy steaks. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yes. For those of you who have, uh, yeah, for those of you who have never heard of gluten steaks, you'll have to Google that. Yeah, um, all the Avenus out there know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Us, us veggies, staple. we know what's going on. Having a staple from back in the oh, 70s, 60s, I guess, something yeah. like that. But I found where I was in my story, and the uh, the thing I'm supposed to be reading here is, instead of in, of developing a drug that interferes with the immune system, um, what they've actually created is a simple uh, medical product that directly attacks the gluten molecules to render them harmless. This makes approval process much simpler, meaning that the product should be available in ordinary pharmacies as early as 2021. Okay, so that should be really helpful for people that are um, just uh, slightly gluten intolerant then as well. Yeah. Maybe the days of not being able to eat wheat bix for some people will be gone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is so good because they're just like because there's so many so much food with gluten. I have a friend, yeah, uh, um, actually, yeah, one of my coworkers and close friends. She, um, she is super gluten intolerant, like celiac or just super gluten intolerant. Like I, I'm pretty sure she's Thought just gluten celiac. intolerant. She's yeah. also allergic to other stuff too. She's like allergic to dairy and stuff, and it gives them crazy symptoms, like yeah. arthritic symptoms and stuff. But yeah, she's like super allergic to gluten so she's often you know whenever we go out to dinner or whenever we have lunch or whatever she's always eating a gluten-free option and uh, which is usually more expensive and harder to come by most restaurants that do you know say you go to a pizza a pizza restaurant like you know the really good pizza restaurants usually don't do a gluten-free option but then you know the step down ones they will and it's just crummy and terrible but now there's this medication so this this so maybe 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 what that amazing have, food. Maybe, maybe this this medication will be like a pill Mm-hmm. And the restaurant can sell you the pill with the pizza, dude. And you just pop the pill and then eat the pizza, and you're fine. Dude, I, 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 this I is know. the future, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could have um, we could have restaurants that just become you know um, <clears throat> a chemist slash restaurant, so that they can uh, um, provide a pill so that people can eat their food. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> oh, man, I love medical The mind menus. boggles. The mind boggles with uh, the different things that people come up with at different times. And, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, to be able to eat a wide variety of plant-based foods is a tremendous advi- uh, mm-hmm. advantage. Mm-hmm. And when you are limited with a gluten-free option, then having a plant-based diet is that much more challenging. Um, add to that some people that I've come across that are both uh, intolerant to uh, gluten and nightshades. Oh, my goodness, that's a tough diet. You can't eat tomatoes. I mean, how, how could a person even Dude, live without eating sucks. tomatoes? 
Tomato's so good. And what what doesn't have tomato in it? You know, I mean, you put tomato in, in pizza, you put it in pasta, you put it in sandwiches, you put it in... And everything. 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 Tomato <laughs> just goes with everything. It's tomato sauce, so you put it with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Tomato sauce is a bit of a uh, bachelor's staple. Yeah, d- my dad, my dad, like he, he cooks like I fried put- rice and puts soy sauce... Uh-huh. And then tomato sauce. Uh-huh. Like he's... Uh-huh. Oh, I, I could eat that. It's unbelievable. That. Unbelievable. But I've, moving on, we I've have... known to put tomato sauce <laughs> on soup to make it palatable. palatable. <laughs> this was all long before I, I... I should say, this was all long before I got married, right? Okay. Okay. There you go. <coughs> you had it first. But uh, moving on, we've got some more medical news, which is probably my favorite kind of news when we're talking about good news because it means that good stuff is happening in... Uh, I, got some, I got some bad medical news coming up. Yeah. But anyways, <coughs> moving forward, a third... 35-year-old man who had been in a vegetative state for 15 years after a car accident has shown signs of consciousness after neurosurgeons implanted a small nerve simulator. This is, like, so amazing. So, using a simple 20-minute surgery, the simulator was attached to the vagus nerve in the patient's chest. The outcome challenges the belief that disorders of consciousness that persist for longer than 12 months are irreversible. This is so epic. Man, if this guy comes back. He, well, he ha- he's already been showing signs of consciousness. So, no, he's no, like he, on he, the edge. If he wakes right up, imagine what's going to go through his head. Like, yeah, you've been asleep for 15 years. Dude. That would mess with your head, wouldn't it? That's heavy, man. <laughs> that would totally mess with your head. But yeah, like I said, this is such an amazing breakthrough because, you know, in, in medical science, we talked um, a couple of weeks ago about AI that predicted that people would wake up within 12 months. Yeah. Um, but the, the amazing thing about this is like after 12 months, like, like the study says- um, people don't wake up. People don't wake up in yeah. general. Anyway, there are super rare cases, but in you know ninety percent of cases, it's irreversible if they don't wake up after twelve months, and that's usually the time in which people pull the plug. But they've put this nerve simulator into to his chest after like twenty minute surgery, and he's got signs of consciousness. It's just incredible, that's just amazing signs of the times. Knowledge shall increase. This is Audrey Sad with new every morning.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to you were were listening to Audrey Sad with New Every Morning. You are listening to Faith FM Breakfast Show with Lyle and Lawson, and uh, we are working our way through the quiz. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> we're going to have our second clue for the quiz. There is only one prize available. Because Marta spilt the beans. Ooh, <laughs> good one, this is, the, this, is the, this is the first time I can blame somebody else other than myself. <laughs> oh, no, no, Mon did it one time. Mon did it one time. Okay, but anyway, what's our second clue for the for today's quiz there, Lawson? All right, all right. So, our first clue was, God told my husband to listen to whatever I said to him. And now our second clue is, I lied to the Lord. Not not a good move on her part because we know this is a not, woman. Not smart at all. Not smart at all. You don't want to ever ever want to go down that particular path. <laughs> all right. <coughs> so, moving on from there, if you know what the answer is, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine if you know the answer and there is a prize coming your way. However, in uh, more serious stories this morning, guess which state in Australia? has the highest level of obesity. New South Wales. No. Queensland. No. Victoria. Yes. Okay. Ooh, had to get this yeah, yeah, we don't have yeah, that many yeah, states, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good thing you were in the US where you had 52 of them to work through. You might have been here for a while. Okay, so in Victoria, one in, cop this, one in three children are obese. Not overweight. Obese. Obese. Um, and so, you know, people are starting to look at this and go, okay, we're sitting on a major ticking time bomb right here. This, wow. this, this yeah. could go really, really badly. Um, you know, particularly, you know, what, what, what is the future? You know, if one in three are obese now, what are we facing in 10 years' time, mm-hmm. 20 years' time, 30 years' time? We, we actually know what we're facing because all we have to do is look at the South Pacific mm-hmm. uh, where you've got islands, island nations where – you know, they hit these levels of obesity 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now places like Samoa, uh, 50% of the population has type 2 diabetes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, the average lifespan in countries like this is being reduced back into the 40s because of that. Um, having 10 toes is becoming uncommon um, <laughs> because you know, of, of the effects of obesity. Dude, yeah. And uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, because the, 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 the journalist who was just breaking this story <coughs> was talking, you know, to some, some, you know, mothers and parents and so forth. And, and one of the quotes was, you know, keeping, keeping the boys away from fattening foods can be difficult. Taking the boys in a trolley through a supermarket can have its challenges. And I'd like to challenge that. <coughs> I'd like to say mm-hmm. it's not difficult. All you've got to do is be a parent. Yeah, well. Um, we raised our two boys on a plant-based diet. Mm. And uh, children, children are just like sponges. They're like wet clay. And whatever information you feed into them, <clears throat> you know, when they're two years old, they're just going to adopt it and embrace it and just accept it wholeheartedly. I remember um, when my oldest, uh, Harley, was about maybe two years old, maybe two and a half, something like that. You know, we're going down the, <clears throat> pushing him in the trolley down the meat aisle in the supermarket. And he's 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 there in the trolley waving his hands around. Don't eat it, everybody! Don't eat it. It's not good. <laughs> you know, he's like campaigning away right there. Um, and, and this is the way kids are. You teach them something, and they'll be like, "Yeah, this is fact. This is what we believe mm-hmm. this." So you teach them this is fattening food. This will give you diabetes. This will kill you, yeah. and they will accept it. Mm. And that's where we need to start. Start when your kids are young. You know, so often parents will feed their kids rubbish. Because it tastes nice and they want their kids to have that nice taste and the kids mm-hmm. will then get a taste for it and decide, okay, this is good food. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas if you never give it to them in the first place, they're never going to miss it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of uh, be a parent, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think that um, <clears throat> I'm just going to put this out there and you all can disagree with me if you like. And, and by the way, I should mention that um, we have Paul Bennett's in the studio and, and he's going to be joining us in a minute for an interview. But I would say that allowing your children to become obese is a form of child abuse. Ooh, yep. It's a big and there should be And there should be a law against it. Wow. Okay, so legislation against obesity. Child abuse. It's child abuse. Because ultimately- Because it's basically, like, it's just like not being a parent. True. It's it's ultimate, like, because it's a lifestyle disease. It's, it's so much it's easier with children than it is with adults because adults have, you know, 20, 30 years of, or 40, 50 years of habit that they have to deal mm-hmm. with to make a lifestyle change. With your children, you're the one that is creating their lifestyle. Just give them a good lifestyle. Yeah. Start them that way. Mm-hmm. You know, make a rule that we had when our kids were small. It was a very simple rule. If it is not raining, you don't stay in the house. You're outside. Mm. You know, run around, play, play in the dirt, do whatever you want, <laughs> ride bikes, kick a ball around, do whatever you feel like, but just don't be inside the house. Mm. Problem solved right there. Mm. Uh, remove the screens. Screens, you know, kids these days are spending more times on screens than you are spending um, in your in, in earning, earning a living. Yeah. You know, they're spending more than 40 hours a week. The average child spends more than 40 hours a week looking at a screen. So just get rid of the screens. Mm. There's an easy, easy solution right there. You'll, you'll have like three or four days of kids screaming and kicking and carrying on, and then they will actually start to learn how to play, a skill that children have lost. Mm. Anyway, <clears throat> that's part of my rant for today. True. Um, <clears throat> that's a that's a pretty serious one, and it really makes me worry where our um, where our society is going. But speaking about society in India, they have just struck down a law that makes adultery illegal. So, Lawson, I want to know your opinion on this one. Okay, should we have a law that makes adultery illegal? So this law has been there for 158 years in India now. It's been for 158 years. It has been illegal for a man to sleep with another man's wife. Mm. Well, don't we have that law? Do we not have that law in Australia? No, we do. We don't. No, you, but you it can, was a law. You, you can. You can. Li- yeah, yes, it was a law. Yeah, you can legally commit adultery in Australia. Okay, I th- I think that you know, in my opinion, like adultery is morally wrong, mm-hmm. but whether we should legislate against it because. Like, ultimately, you legislate against things that are harmful to others. Yes. And adultery is harmful to others. <laughs> Lawson so, is making up his mind on the spot. So, here. therefore, <laughs> we should, you know, if we're going with a consistent logic, then we should probably <laughs> I legislate this, against adultery. All right, all right, all right. But doesn't this, that, all right, so doesn't this then make just women, you know, men's property? Yeah, that well, once that when you're married to them, that's you're locked in, you're owned, um, you've got no rights, you can't make your own decisions. But it's to, vice versa. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so here's an interesting versa. thought. In India, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, it was only an offence for a man to sleep with a um, another man's wife without the, that that husband's consent. Yeah. Okay. And so it was only one way legislation. So it did okay. really treat women like. Um, <coughs> Like property, um, but you know there are some interesting thoughts about this because you know what laws should build good society, mm-hmm. 
And this is the argument that goes the other direction. You know, and some people in India are arguing this, that, you know, this is going to promote singleness. It's going to promote uh, um, the breakdown of uh, marriage. It's going to break, uh, promote um, um, single-parent mm. homes, which is going to then result in high levels of delinquency, which will then move into high levels or increased levels of criminality. Okay, I, I can see I can see Paul moving over to the microphone right here. Well, I, look, Lyle, I think this uh, is really a product of democracy. You know, it, even though we love a democracy, there are goods and bad sides of this. Mm-hmm. And if we want people to have freedom, choice, mm-hmm. what comes with that are these things that we actually think are probably bad for society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, very much so. Yeah, and uh, and I think what it illustrates too, you know, right along with that is that our world has experimented with many different forms of government. Mm-hmm. You know, where we've had monarchies, we've had theocracy, or well, the theocracies, we've had um, we've had uh, democracies, we've you know, got communist systems, and then you can go on and on and on down through all the different systems. Every single human system has failed. Mm. Yeah, there is for no, sure. You know, some are better than others, and I'm glad that I live in a democracy where I get to have a say. Mm-hmm. You know, I thank God for that. Um, you know, and, and I'm not so keen on a dictatorship, but um, human systems mm. all fail. You know, the thing that's interesting to me about democracy, and this has like been a, a massive focal point for especially like what's going on in the Middle East at the moment, is that, oh, we're going there to establish democracy. I think people give democracy too much credit for freedom. Like just because something's democratic doesn't mean it's 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 free. Because you can yeah. go to you can China's technically like kind of a democracy, right? They can pick their leaders or no? Ah, uh, well <laughs> no, there's only one, really. one leader to pick from. Yeah, exactly. So, so like in in that case, let's vote for the communist. Let's have an election, um, and oh, there's one party to vote for, the Communist Party. So we better vote for that one. Exactly. (laughs) You know, what did democracy solve? (laughs) But more after this.
Chelsea Moon with How Deep the Father's Love here on Faith FM. We are back with uh, Paul Bennett joining us today to talk about the children of the East. Now, this is an interesting subject, and it sort of comes out of something that we were talking about uh, last Friday, Paul. And mm. uh, after the show, well, during the show, you gave me a phone call, and uh, that kind of led to this interview today. So, Paul, <laughs> we're, we're, we're thankful that you can join us. Yeah, look, thanks for having me. Um, now, when we talk about the children of the East, what, what exactly are we talking about? Well, the children of the East really grew out of uh, Ishmael, one of the sons of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And from there it really developed. Um, as we know, Abraham had three wives. Mm-hmm. Um, Hagar was the second and Keturah was the third. And basically all the offspring of, of those uh, two ladies... Hagar and Keturah. ...became the children of the east, when they were sent into the east country. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a reason why they were sent into the east country, but the fact is that they were sent with the blessing of God. Mm. And the Bible's very clear on this, and that's probably my point in establishing you know, a theme through the Bible. The children of the east continued to pop up mm-hmm. all through. So Ishmael was a servant of God. Yeah. Um and uh, uh as you know as as he was sent out um out into the east he he went under the blessing of God and we have no record that he ever stopped from serving God and we know that you know when Abraham died of course he came back and Isaac and Ishmael and their families got together and and had uh, Abraham's you know burial service all together mm. as, as a united Absolutely. family. Absolutely. You know I I think one of the 
uh, really important themes is the blessings and the promises that the children of the East received. Like in Genesis 21, verse 18, it says, here we have the promise again, the fourth time reinforcing the principle of Ishmael becoming the great nation. And, mm. uh, and it says, arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. And that promise is has always been there. Mm, mm. This is the fourth time that God told Abraham and Hagar and the lad that you will become a great nation, so much so that it says that you will have 12 sons, the beginning of that nation. And Jacob was also to have 12 sons, mm. Mm, princes. Okay, so just to fill in our, our listeners here for a moment, Paul, mm. uh, when we talk about Ishmael and you know the nation or nations that came from Ishmael, who are we talking about in a modern-day context? Well, they were all the children of the East, which, um, you know, in many so ways... is what we would call the Middle East today. Middle East and today. So the, the, the land <coughs> promise really went from the River Nile over to the uh, to Iran. Mm-hmm. So it went the right Euphrates. across. Yeah, the Tigris really Euphrates Valley, yep. That's right. And so anyone in that area there and south of that is really the children of the East. Mm-hmm. And that's so it's basically your your Arabs, mm. yeah, and of course they've spread a lot further around the world, you know, in very more much recent times, yeah. And so when Muhammad turned up on the scene, and what year was that? What year? Well, what what era was, are we talking about? Yeah, there, he was born in the late five hundreds, mm-hmm. and he went through to about uh, six thirty, I think it is thirty two. Yep. But in that period, you know, he was an incredible reformer, and he brought about such a change because these people were, um, you know, they were worshipping many gods and, and there was so many issues and Muhammad brought them back. So basically um, when we talk about the children of the East and the Arabs, you know, they've, they've, started, off, they've started off well under Ishmael. Yes. But then they fall into idolatry. Well, that, look, in general, but in many ways they, they were always there. Like mm. when Moses fled Egypt, where did he go? Mm-hmm. He went, ended up in the children of the east area, mm-hmm. and Jethro was a priest of the children of the east. Now he really guided my, uh, Moses in many ways. So this is an interesting situation then, because when you look at the Israelites in Egypt, they'd basically lost their knowledge of God. Yeah, well, they gone to Egyptian gods. They and, had, and and, and uh, you know, of course, God has to introduce Himself to them and explain who He is. You know. Because Mo- even Moses is like, well, who am I going to say has, has sent me? You know, and uh, the, so so the children of the East have not lost the knowledge of God as much as the actually the Israelites had in Egypt. Absolutely, you know. And when Jethro came to visit Moses, and he brought Moses's wife and children, remember that? Mm-hmm. And there was a great celebration. Jethro said, "Now we need to sacrifice." Moses hadn't done that to that point. He said in Egypt that. We want to leave Egypt, he said to Pharaoh. That Go we to might the desert to sacrifice. To sa- but it hadn't happened. There's no um, indication in the Bible. When Jethro came, Jethro said, right, let's do it. He got everyone together and he sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Jethro was at Because the he was the it. only ordained priest that was actually in existence yeah. possibly in the world at that particular time. And mm-hmm. he was... Because this is previous to Aaron and his sons being made priests. Yes, and he was from the east, <coughs> children of the east. You know, it gets us back to that that original principle where Jesus said, 
and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Mm. You know, that principle has been all through the ages, that God is reaching out to many people groups, bringing mm. about to, to reintroduce the character of God. And mm. to a Muslim, we would say that the character of Allah. It's the same principle. Sure. God works on that principle in the Bible. Yeah, so, so, and, and, and uh, just a, under a different name. But, uh, okay, so now when we th- – I just want to pick up on something that you mentioned there a little while ago that Muhammad brought a lot of reforms to the children of the East. I think a lot of our listeners would be unfamiliar with what kind of reforms they would be and would really struggle with the idea of Muhammad bringing something positive. Um, I'm just wondering whether you can just elaborate, you know, because I've read the Quran, you've read the Quran. There's probably, you know, things in there that we don't necessarily agree with. There is things in there that we don't agree with. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, there was, uh, if we look at where the Arabs were, at that particular time in history, um, what were some of the what were some of the big reforms that Muhammad brought? Okay, well, probably the biggest one is the, he brought them back to the worship of the one God. Yeah, mm. you know, because they they were so caught up in in worshiping so many idols, mm-hmm. and when Muhammad got this uh, clear and, and this understanding. He what just, kind of a religion? What kind of religions did exist in the uh, well, in the Saudi look, Peninsula? Yeah, look, there were many, um, and they had particular um, idols that really suited that their types of religions. Mm. Um, yeah. So, somewhat, I, I guess, a, a, a modern version would the closest modern version would be, say, Hinduism today. Uh, yeah, and um, I know in Indonesia where I work, you know, you, what we have up there is what we call animism mm-hmm. and it's still very active and it's the worship of nature yeah it's very mm. active still okay so we've got this yeah, this this um, whole thing about the children of the east in um, starting off in you know, well these, these promises starting off there in the book of Genesis are there other places in the Bible where the children of the east are mentioned and uh, you know obviously we're talking about the um, the Arabs here Yep. Um, are there other places in the Bible where they're mentioned? Look, I think one of the, the, the greatest themes is in Isaiah 60, 1 to 7. You know, we could spend time in that, but Isaiah 60 is really talking about the children of the East. And it's a. Uh, I'll just read. Yeah, let's, let's flick over there real quick and, and uh, have a look at that passage. This is fascinating because this is a part of um, an area of Bible study that I think as Christians we simply never look at. We just never go there. We never look into it. And it's incredibly topical and important for, uh, for where we are today in the history of our world, particularly with, because the Middle East is just, you know, it's, it's central to uh, global politics. It's central mm-hmm. to the news. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's central to the religious movements that we find in our world. Well, you know, just before we go into this, you know, Job, where, where did he come from? Yeah, he was the greatest man in, yeah, in all the was. East. Mm. Yeah. You know, God chose him as an example of character, mm. of faithfulness. Yes. And then we have the so-called three wise men. We don't know whether there were three, but we know the wise men. They were studying the scripture. Mm-hmm. They, they were in touch with the God of heaven, mm-hmm. the God of Abraham, and they followed the star to seek out the Messiah. Yes, they were, those and the shepherds were the only ones who actually worshipped Jesus as God 
at his uh, at, right. at the time of his birth. Hmm. The wise men, that's true, the wise men were different in a sense. They studied. They were in touch. Yes, yeah, so this was not by, not by divine revelation. No. This was by Bible study. They knew. <laughs> they <laughs> figured knew. it out. Absolutely. Mm. And look, it's a fascinating story. And all through the Old Testament, they kept popping up. Who rescued Joseph? It was the children of the East. Mm. Who discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls? Mm. The line of the children of the East. Mm-hmm. You know, all through. And then we, if we go into the Reformation and what was happening. Okay, so this is a story that probably few of our listeners will be familiar with, but you this know. is a fascinating history there. The so, Great Reformation of the 16th century, which, which established the Scriptures, the Scriptures were largely established and given to the world because the Scriptures were lost during the Dark Ages. We need mm. to remember that. Those, the, the Bible that we have today largely exists because of um, you know, the actions of Islam. Absolutely. They were faithful. You, you study the history the of core. it and you will, that's what you will find. That's they right. protected the Greek manuscripts you know, of, the, of the New Testament that uh, the church in the West was doing everything that they could to destroy. I mean, there were times when the church it, it became so violent that the church in the West banned the study of the Greek language because they were so terrified of anyone finding a Greek manuscript of the Bible and reading mm. it. Mm. And it was Islam who was protecting it this time, wow. preserving it. Mm. <coughs> look, it's so interesting, that area. But look, getting back to Isaiah 60, you know, we uh, right from the beginning, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Okay, so we're talking about the, the, the character of, the, of God has risen upon thee, and it's talking to a people group here. And then it moves into... It really, I'll, I'll let the listeners go through that, but let's go to verse 5. Then thou, thou shalt see and flow together, and thy heart shall fear and in, be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall cover thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come upon thee. Then it says, And the multitude of camels shall cover thee, and the dromedaries of Midian and Ephath. All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. And they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come with, up with acceptance on mine altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory. So looking at some of those names there, Lyle, mm. you know, Midian and Ephat are the, the son, the grandsons of Keturah. That's right. East. Yes, absolutely. Sheba is in the southwestern Arabian Peninsula. Kedar is the second-born son of Ishmael, and the rams of uh, Nebaioth is the first-born son of Ishmael. Mm-hmm. So all of these are the children of the east, mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. says they will come up with acceptance on mine altar. Absolutely. When the, you know, as they flow together, mm-hmm. as we flow, and as we say with the people of the book. There's a coming That's right, together a coming together of the people. Of people and this is, and this is the issue. It's not so much you know, your religion, my religion, no. somebody else's religion. Um, <clears throat> this is all about coming together, a movement of faith to come together and to study and be people of the book. Absolutely. And it's, look, it's, it's a really exciting journey because God has been endeavouring to get people into true faith mm-hmm. all through the ages mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting that um, it's something that just popped into my mind, you know, just going back to something you were talking about earlier, because 
the wise men came to find the Messiah um, because they were studying the scriptures. Hmm. The scriptures that they were studying, the prophecy that they followed was the prophecy of Balaam. Now, Balaam doesn't have the greatest reputation in the Bible, but he gave the greatest messianic prophecies or some of the greatest messianic prophecies that you'll find in the Bible. The Bible speaks of him before his you know, apostasy as being a true prophet of mm. God. He was not an Israelite. He was from Mesopotamia. He was from the East. He was one of these children of the East that mm. we're talking about right here. And so we find that you, know, we, you get these hints in the Bible that the knowledge of God and the worship of God was well known and widely practiced outside of Israel. You know, when Israel is going into, you know, just incredibly deep apostasy and worshiping every different God under the sun, you've got, you know, obviously large groups of people who are remaining faithful well, to God. Well, that's so true. Daniel. Daniel was in that area. You know, these, you know, Daniel the prophet. Yeah, that's right. And he <laughs> was upholding. These guys could have easily have had the prophecies of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so getting to what's happening... If you combine the prophecies of Balaam and the prophecies of Daniel together, oh my goodness, you, you, you know exactly what you're looking at when you yeah. see that star. <laughs> and so getting back to the situation today that we have in the middle of the East, you know, the world, certain areas of the world, people in the world are trying to snuff out people that are strong. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and we just have to look at what happened in Libya, what's happening in Syria and what they're endeavouring to do in Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I heard an interview just recently of uh, people ringing up, expressing uh, their thoughts about Iran. Every one of them said they are the most gracious and hospitable people you could ever <laughs> come into. Anyone who has been to Iran will testify that. I challenge, I challenge anyone to give me a call right now, 1-800-324-843, if you have been to Iran and you have not been overwhelmed by the hospitality. You know, I've been to Iran yeah. and uh, I've been overwhelmed by the hospitality there. There's so many things we could talk about here this morning, Paul. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Okay, that's fine. But uh, maybe we can talk about it some more. It's fascinating material that you have uh, been able to share with us. This is Ali and Leighton with Beyond. You speak a word and then it's done Who am I to question thee? You wrote instructions for the dawn Fill the treasures of the
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. 